Ralph Sarchi's life is divided between two very different worlds. In one, he's a decorated sergeant for the NYPD who proudly protected and served his city for over 18 years. In the other world, he's a highly regarded demonologist, battling evil at the source and helping those who have nowhere else to turn. I'm a messenger, that's it. I'm, you know, I'm not an angel. Angel, the, the word angel means messenger. Messenger. But I'm a human person, and I just have this message, and you can believe in it if you want. You don't have to. I don't really care. When I found out that my dad was in the mix of doing like exorcisms and everything, things would happen like in the house with me and my family and I wasn't really sure like, you know, I was scared, but I didn't know really what I was scared about. I should have told you this right up front. You've become involved in exposing the devil because of this film here. As he got more into the work, you know, think more things started happening to, you know, me and my family and my house and it was scary. She had a really, really profound experience. She was, she was at home. We had a picture frame on my parents' bedroom wall, and out of nowhere, I just flew across the room. You've singled yourself out now. Who do you think Lucifer's going to be looking at when you stood up and gave him the finger? Well, that's basically what you do when you expose the devil. You're standing up and you're going, yo! There's only one way to really combat that. And you already know what that is. And that's strictly up to you. Greetings, fellow horror nerds. This is the Horror Hound. Welcome to episode 11 of the Horrorverse. In this episode, I'm going to talk about the movie Delirious from Evil. Uh, in the beginning... You heard an interview from the actual Ralph Sarchi, the New York City Police Department police officer who did protect and serve his city for over 18 years, God bless his soul, and now turned demonologist to help those who encounter evil spirits and what he can do to help them, you know, get rid of them, essentially. So, to get things started... um. I love a good psychological thriller. If there's a supernatural element to the story, it also has the potential to mess up my mind and freak me out. One of the craziest aspects of this film is the fact that it's based on actual events. I've always been interested in the supernatural, and I've done a good amount of reading up on this kind of stuff over the years. When I see a movie that is based on a true story, I like to do a little research to see what really happened. Ralph Sarchi is not your typical cop. The retired police sergeant who worked some of New York City's toughest areas also served night duty performing what he calls the work. He's a self-described demonologist assisting in spiritual exorcisms. Deliverance from Evil, a horror movie based on Ralph Searchy's co-written The Weather Night, which he describes as a memoir filled with true stories about his work as a demonologist. It's a marketing angle that Sony banked on, and on the film's poster, the phrase inspired by the actual accounts of an NYPD sergeant are even bigger than the title. 
So what is the real story behind Deliverance from Evil? According to USA Today, several stories from Sarchi's past have been adapted to create this movie. As for true scares in the film, while it's clear that these artistic liberties might be more exaggerated than the film wants its audience to believe, reviewers have cited one particularly horrifying scene in the film that shows a woman throwing her baby into a lion's den. I could not find any evidence that this event ever happened, thank goodness. It appears that the film is more interested in using Sarchi's character as the crux of the true part of the story, but has chosen more sensational stories in the actual plot. I, for one, I'm okay with that. The world's already a scary place, and I'd rather not be confronted with real-life terrors in my horror films, and thank you very much. The Hollywood Reporter's John DeFore says in his review that the combination of detective drama and religious horror work well together as the appreciably icky encounters with putrefying corpses and deranged prisoners help to balance the sometimes flimsy cop movie stuff that surrounds the scares. The standout here is Ramirez's Mendoza, who steals the show as a former priest, shaggy enough to be the subreco of exorcists, but excusing calm wisdom instead of obsessive determination, which makes Faith look cool. The religious elements should help propel deliverers of some commercial success by appealing to a Catholic and devout audience, as they will find the movie very respectful of their faith, though it nods to religion or genre appropriate and never preach enough to alienate the average horror fan. On screen, Derek's FX crew careens along the dividing line between excitement and silly bombast, conjuring hurricane-like forces and gory transformations while the holy man attempts to rescue an innocent mortal from his otherworldly tormentors. In a 2004 interview on radio show Coast to Coast, Sarchi details some of his nightmarish encounters with Poltergeist and the supernatural, like an eight-year-old girl who was, who was possessed and spoke fluent Latin. Sarchi explained to Coast to Coast that the exorcism he assisted on are often performed at a church, and the person having the ritual performed on them is usually restrained, sometimes even straightjacketed. People can sometimes become possessed by curses, particularly by family members, if they are fueled by intense hatred. End quote. He also noted that, according to the late Father Malachi Martin, or Malachi Martin, sorry if I if I said your name wrong, Father, who was a friend of his, demonic spirits inhabit a middle plateau that is somewhere between our plane of existence and the realm of God. Eric Bana's co-star Olivia Munn revealed at a press conference that this stuff was so frightening for her that she couldn't sleep for three weeks while she was researching the events described in Starch's book. Bana then went on to say that he was, quote, coming from a skeptical place, end quote, when he took on the role and added, by Scott Derrickson, the director, scared the bejesus out of him in, in pre-production. He had to access some materials that Ralph Starchy had, end quote. The movie is being advertised with the enormous above the fold tagline, inspired by the actual counts of an NYPD sergeant. The sergeant in question is Ralph Sarchi, also the name of the film's protagonist, who spent years as both as an NYPD officer and an occult investigator, and later wrote a book about his experiences. Still, the explanation seems to stretch the, quote, based on a true story, end quote, innocence limits about as far as that can go. 
technically the film is based on the actual accounts of Lance Armstrong, I guess, could admit all mention of steroid use, essentially. However, and then the film inspired by actual events of Lance Armstrong could theoretically see him partner up with a talking moose to fight crime, just so long as the inspiration was there. Despite a series of unselling jump scares, the movie, the latest horror film, and same director who did Sinister, is a little more than an ugly collection of figure of speech stolen from The Exorcist and Seven. Apparently about the importance of family and Christ-like man saviors that will do anything to protect their children, and sometimes women, Derrickson, the director, and co-writer Paul Harris, Boardman preoccupied on the tacky and tawdry details of their based on a true story exorcism tale, and never interrogate their characters' motives beyond stop posturing. Nonetheless, many of us, the movie's creative shortcomings result from Derrickson and Borman's lazy articulation of their film's interest in spiritual doubt and penance. In each case, uncontrollable Sarchi finds that hard-drinking Jesuit priest Father Mendoza, played by Edgar Ramirez, is already on the case, waiting to nudge cynical Sarchi toward a no-man-is-an-island acceptance of his limitations. These two, though, who are tough, but they're also fair, these two men inevitably team up, but only after more children are threatened, pets are abused, and women are treated like accessories. There are no talking animals in this movie, though bizarre zoological behavior does factor repeatedly in the story, and the proceedings begin on a rather grounded note. Eric Bana stars as Sarchi, a tough-as-nails plainclothes cop, with an almost clairvoyant radar for criminal activity, and a wife, played by Olivia Munn, and daughter Lulu Wilson, who he's increasingly been in neglecting in pursuit of Gotham's worst. He's partnered with an adrenaline junkie author named Butler, played by Joe McHale, the type of rutneck who wears a Red Sox hat, I'm sorry, Red Sox hat, on duty just to stir up trouble and prefers to fight perps with a combat knife despite the perfectly good service revolver on his hip. It's not a revolver, it's a Glock. Jesus. Sorry about that. Patrolling the strange microclimate of the South Bronx with nearly non-stop rain and few visible minorities, the two partners investigate a series of rather brutal crimes. First, a domestic violence call leads to a chase after a craze of Rockford vet Scott Johnson. Derrickson and Borman's film is more than just a sympathetic representation of Sarge's paranoia. If this film were even semi-critical of Sarge's testimony, it would acknowledge that in any of the context. Sarch's version of events of, quote, taxi driver levels of deranged. Instead, whenever he enters victims' homes, we would see omnipresent crucifixes and a comically vampish Italian woman, a bloated corpse, creepy basement junk, and enough crumbling fixtures to make Bob Vila cry. The only recognizably human domestic minded person in this film is Sarch's wife, Jen, a play by Olivia Munn, but she's mostly Sarch's never here, not even when you're home, end quote. Soon after, the two apprehended the stir woman, played by Olivia Horton, all violent twitches and mumbled doors lyrics, who threw her baby into the lion cage at the Bronx Zoo. All this leading to a confrontation with a few lions themselves. Aw, poor guys. Anyway, I just would have shot the damn lions, in my opinion. <laughs> so, and lastly, an Italian immigrant family reports strange noises coming from their basement, which leads to a gruesome discovery, a bloated guy with flies coming out of his eyeballs. Ugh. The final incident prompts them to investigate a sinister connection between three former soldiers in the Middle East who were previously seen investigating a mysterious cave 
in the film's prelude. So, while the film's opening month falls squarely into police procedural territory, Sarchi notices odd activities, strange hallucinations, and noises that he can only detect, mysterious light and inscriptions, barroom junkies still playing the doors in 2014, and before long he runs across a hard-drinking, chain-smoking, bedroom my Catholic priest, Joe Mendoza, who dresses in street clothes and disappoints the eager women at the bars he frequents. From here, the film starts running through rather standard demonic horror paces, with one foot still in the precinct, as Mendoza very gradually stare, starts to convince the fallen Catholic sergeant that these cases cannot be solved through criminology alone. Sure they can. Ye have little faith. But whatever traces of uniqueness the film had previously shown start to melt away as it trudges towards its finale. It's hardly a spoiler to note that this movie leads into a long exorcism scene, though it's disappointing to see it come and go without adding any novel to the long tradition of exorcism scenes. Derrickson, the director, who helmed the well-regarded Sinister and the Exorcism of Ellen Rose, is a thoroughly accomplished orchestrator of jolts and goosebumps, utilizing quasi-found footage techniques, point-of-view shots, and disquieting overhead angles to good effect. What he's unable to do here, however, is string these jump scares together to create any sense of overwhelming dread. It's perhaps appropriate that the film's most legitimate frightening, frightening individual scene involving Sarchi's daughter and her assortment of frightening toys seems to come from a different film entirely. While Derrickson is shrewd with the horror tropes, the police procedural elements demonstrate a weird sort of narrative indifference. In one scene midway through, for example, Sarchi shows up alone at a woman's apartment to investigate some strange video files on her computer. Oh, what are those? I don't know, some of my, well, my husband left there you know, before he left. Could be porn for all you know, dude. Come on. They're rock vets, man. I mean, it's what they do overseas. Trust me. I was there. Suddenly the lights start flickering on and off, and Sarchi is viciously attacked by a demonically possessed man who promptly flings himself through a second floor window like he's in a circus. The next scene shows Sarchi calmly coming back to the woman's apartment and computer. Did the woman notice a commotion in her apartment? Did Sarchi call for backup? No. Was he hurt? No. Did he at least help fix the window? No, you lazy bastard. Fix the window. You're a cop. You can afford it. Just kidding. I have no idea. Buried down just below the film's surface are several interesting ideas, such as a conversation between Sarchi and Mendoza, juxtaposing primary and secondary evil, and the inherent conflation of demonic possession with post-traumatic stress disorder, but they're rarely given much room to breathe. As for the stars... They seem fully committed to their characters, though his New York accent, Furbana, varies wildly, and Ramirez walks a fine line between low-key naturalism and sleepiness. The world of this movie needs a real man to clean up all the disasters that demon-possessed absent fathers have left behind. So, the film's casual bigotry is established early on when Derrickson and Borman make table-setting jokes at the expense of women met by Sarchi and Mendoza. First, there's a stranger that drunkenly hits on Mendoza at his regular bar. Oh, you're so sweaty. Oh, my God. She gasps before Mendoza wearily remarks that drinking is just like medicine. Then there's Jane, played by Olivia Horton, the first possessed parent Sarchi stumbles across. When he arrests her, Jane mocks Mendoza by calling him a specialist. <laughs> Horton hisses at this line with such unholy common vigor that she sounds like Pudelores going pulling string doll. 
but Jane is a humorist, and since she's obviously unwell. No, no, no. Very naughty, Ben. Sorry. In this scene, before tragic events later humanize her in a worse way, imagine. Well, Jane is a little more than a scary punchline. And then later on, she escapes from the mental assignment and then throws herself from a building, kills herself, and has like 30 broken bones. Coincidence? I think not. So, undeniably, there's something intrinsically intriguing about an ordinary horror film that nakedly insists that women are plot devices. Fathers always know best. And dead kids are inherently the best way to get an audience's heart. How's that even possible? Moron, but Derrickson and Brahman spend so much time focusing on grizzly generic junk like a disemboweled cat and a possessed roly-poly toy owl that they wind up neglecting even the tropes of their shallow characters. It's not just the film that is blunt and the kind of vile, it's so hysterically incompetent and mindlessly excessive that I found myself cheering on a demonic toy that benignly coos, oh woo, oh woo. It's a fucking owl, god damn it. <laughs> this movie is scary, but only because it can, it can be made a possessed stuffed animal creepy. Unlike those damn wind-up box toys where creepy clowns pop out. F you, man. Whoever made those toys needs to be shot. Seriously, I don't like them. So, the movie is a horror film, to be sure. But it's often much more than that. As Derrickson noted, quote, I think it's a movie about moral behavior and moral guilt and the spiritual component and of that and the process of confronting one's own moral to pass. It's a movie about good, bad, and evil, but with its religious undertones. It could, in fact, lead people to question their own religious beliefs. And it may, as Sarchi hopes. Even bringing people back to church his experiences with a supernatural once brought him back to God. End quote. So, there you have it, folks. There is my review on the movie Delivers from Evil, based on true events by a New York cop, Ralph Sarchi. So, 5 out of 5, yes. A plus as a horror grade. 10 out of 10 on the scary factor scale. I love this movie. It's one of my favorite possession exorcism movies of all time. But it does not compare to The Exorcist. I'm sorry. The Exorcist has always blown my mind. So there you have it, folks. That is it. This is the Horror Hound saying thank you for listening. And I hopefully you will join me for the next episode. Join me on the next episode of Horrorverse as I talk about a true crime story that shocked the San Francisco Bay Area in the late 1960s. The self-proclaimed Zodiac Killer was directly linked to at least five murders in Northern California in 1968 and 1969 and may have been responsible for a lot more. He mocked police and made threats through letters sent to area newspapers from 1969 to 1974 before abruptly ceasing communication. Despite intensive investigations, no one has ever been arrested for the crimes, and the case remains open. The Zodiac Killer has never been caught. Thank you for listening, and please help support my podcast by subscribing to it on the following platforms. Anchor FM, Breaker Audio, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Spotify.